This is Ian Serrato, and you're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. I'm sorry. We're going to have to do that again. Visit us anytime at youtube.com forward slash yuck yucks to watch stand up comedy clips of some of your favorite comedians. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. Hey, what's going on, my little yucky maniacs? Welcome to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. I am your host, Jake Hirsch. Thank you so much for joining me this week. We start the show on a somber note. Um, as many of you guys uh, and uh, and girls have heard on the show before, me talking about uh, last week. In fact, uh, we replayed the we rebroadcasted our Nav Galley episode, and uh, as uh, you guys heard last week, Nav is. Uh, was battling stage four uh, colon cancer and uh, was fighting the good fight, surrounded by uh, just an amazing group of people that uh, love him very dearly, uh, his wife and his brother. And uh, and uh, I was grateful, gracious enough uh, to be able to uh, go and see and spend some time with Nav, uh, as, I, as I mentioned last week, uh, myself and Adam Ruby. And, uh, man, just so many emails, so many, uh, uh, people reaching out and, and just sending so many good vibes and, and, uh, and prayers and, uh, all the strength, uh, Nav's way. Uh, unfortunately, um, things took a turn for the worst and, uh, and Nav, uh, Nav passed away and, uh, it has been a very tremendous, uh, difficult week for me, uh, as well as I'm sure a lot of other people who, were, um, you know, friends and acquaintances. And, and that's kind of the story of, of Nav's life is that even if you were an acquaintance, uh, you quickly became a friend uh, or you felt like you were friends with him right from the get-go. Um, I've got so many fond memories of, uh, of my short uh, uh, friendship with Nav. Uh, we, we had only known each other for the past uh, year and a bit uh, since he started comedy. And uh, immediately took to him as uh, just somebody that uh, I, I, you know, really treasured uh, our friendship together. Um, losing him is, has been heartbreaking for me. The best way I can describe it is just getting gutted, I guess. Um, it's been a very difficult week. But um, in celebration of Nav's life, we are uh, getting together um, for a very cool tradition of some storytelling where uh, just some people that uh, were close to Nav and, and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, obviously uh, talk to him and, and, and spend some time with him, um, get together and, and share stories about, uh, about how we met or about, uh, um, you know, uh, experiences or adventures together. And I know that, uh, like I said, he touched a lot of lives and a lot of people um, really, really love spending time with him and love hanging out and just having him as a friend. Uh, I know I do. Uh, and I know that uh, he will be sorely missed, uh, not only from myself, but the entire community in which he lived in. And that just does not mean the comedy community, but there uh, were just you know, tons of, of, of just people that he touched, uh, as, you know, friends and, and, and it, it's just to see the impact that he had, uh, Russell Peters, uh, uh, wrote a, a very touching tribute to Nav, uh, on his uh, Twitter and Instagram and, uh, Kathleen McGee and, and, uh, just a, a bunch of people really reached out and stepped up and, um, 
I couldn't be more prouder to be part of this community. And that reinforces to me how I met him is through this community so that it, it all makes sense to me. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say, uh, just one last thing here is that, uh, Nav, I'm sure you've already got an open mic up in heaven. (laughs) I'm sure you've got uh, a a room right now that you're building. You're probably handing flyers out for trying to get the, uh, the door on that bad, bad boy. But, (laughs) um, I just want to say, man, uh, I love you, pal. And, uh, um, we're, we're going to do whatever it takes to help, uh, you know, your family out and your, your baby girl and, uh, whatever we can do to keep your name in this community. Uh, we will definitely step up and do that and make sure that you are not forgotten. Um, on today's show, I decided to go back in the archives a little bit. Now, this is one that you've never heard before. So this is a brand new one. However, it is with a guest that you're familiar with. Her name, uh, of course, my friend, my close friend, Miss Kathleen McGee. Uh, this is a master's class. Now, I came up with this concept uh, during the summertime, which is when this interview took place. Uh, uh, I got to hang out and chat on Kathleen's balcony, and we just hung out, had a couple of beers, and uh, just talked good old-fashioned comedy. I call this the master class because uh, these interviews are set aside for people who have been headlining, people who have been in this business for a long time, and uh, have the right and have the probably smart opinions uh, to help guide younger comics in their careers. This podcast is all about that. It's all about your first five minutes uh, getting up on stage, how to promote yourself, how to market yourself, do all those types of things, promoters, stories from the road. This was a killer episode, and uh, I'm really glad that my good friend Kathleen got to kick it off for me. Uh, this is Jake's Masterclass. Stay tuned. Let's go talk to Miss Kathleen McGee. Masterclass. You get a masterclass and you get a masterclass. I love Oprah. I miss her. Yeah. Oprah, uh, she's a very inspirational woman. And you know what? It's funny. I watch some of the reruns now. Like whenever I'm at a hotel and I get the Oprah Winfrey Network or whatever it is, Uh or Oprah Life Network or something, OLN. She's got some dynamite shows on yeah. there. I used to be like, ah, oh, fuck, this is all about feelings and, you know, uh, <laughs> horrible stories about sexual abuse and <laughs> overcoming adversity. But and that's then, fun. And then, and then, you know, but then she'll have like a master class with like The Rock or something on there. And he'll just be telling these stories about when he was a kid and, you know, uh, buying his mom his, you know, a sports car when he became famous. And I'm just yeah. like melting my heart. I'm like, yeah. oh, man. Oprah fucking knows her shit. She really does. She's she is a very inspirational woman. She came up like just being a fat person alone and being <laughs> popular in the eighties and nineties. So true. I never it thought of that. It is a huge thing because now everyone's I accept me for who I am. Right. But right. Oprah, I she mean, was on that wave though. With she, like, oh, she uh, was on that diet up and down. Who was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, <laughs> <laughs> oh. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking that part. I just remember she was always on a but di- I, no. diet. Yeah, no. She. Yeah. She. I had a grade three teacher that was always on a diet, and we would do, we would do weigh-ins and like. No way. Like uh, she would do weigh-ins. Like she would be on a milkshake diet, and so she would oh, do really? weigh-ins for the class, and we would bet on how much she would have lost. It was I so funny. I love stories about how inappropriate teachers were back yeah. in the fucking day. Isn't yeah. That great. Yeah. Even if you're like an '80s kid or a '90s. Oh kid, yeah. You still had great stories. I had a teacher that told me if, I, if she had a gun, she would shoot me. <laughs> 
because I was always very disruptive and trying to be funny. And she goes, Kathleen, if I had a gun, I would shoot you. And she said that in front of the whole class. And then my mom got pissed off when I told her. Oh, my God. Did you read the uh, this was on CNN? Actually, this news. I never thought this was going to hit CNN. Um, And then it also was on the Bill uh, Maher show. Um, But. A teacher in Ontario. Oh, lick her in the <laughs> fart box. <laughs> I love that. Look me where I fart. I wish she teachers says. could say shit like that more. And then she told oh. she told the other kids, she's like, yeah, you're a real piece of shit. Oh, my God. My <laughs> uncle. Like, this is the best teacher I've ever heard of in my life. My <laughs> uncle, he just passed away. and uh, Sorry to hear that. Yeah. He was a great person. And yeah. he, but he had cancer, so it's, it's a good thing. Right. That he's not suffering anymore. But he was like a teacher and eventually a principal. And oh, no way. Like, he probably had some crazy stories. Yeah. Well, first of all, we did the f- the the wake at the, at his acreage. It was really nice. And then mm-hmm. my cousin asked me to speak, and so I went up and I was like, and then in the middle of it, I'm like, I am killing right now, you guys. <laughs> I did. I destroyed that funeral. They were dying, literally laughing so hard. Oh my god. But I did so well and then like oh I swore no. I said I said fuck once and then I was like oops and then my one this super is that a eulogy cons- yeah. <laughs> But then all of his buddies are coming out to me after and be like, you were so good. That was amazing. And I know that, that like, my Uncle George would have loved funny. that. Like, he would have loved, loved it. that tribute. Yeah. yeah. But then I was listening to all the stories from his teacher friends. And I know for a fact, like, I went to a Catholic high school in Edmonton. And I know for a fact that those teachers were crazy. They, oh, yeah. I, I was on student council. I remember I'd stayed late. And I walked, was leaving. I was like 6 o'clock at night. And one of the teachers was rolling a keg down the hallway. No way. Because they could have alcohol at the Catholic high schools because it's the body of Christ or something. <laughs> or the blood of Christ. I didn't listen in religion. but like, They were like ripping it up in the back. Teachers are so fun because because they have to be so censored all the time. They're the most crazy people. Oh, they are. They absolutely are. Like when they cut loose, they cut oh, loose. Oh, they're fun. Majority but are like alcoholics. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. Some of yeah. the stories that they were telling were just amazing. Yeah. Like, I remember hearing a story once where there was a frosh week, and there was a kid that was very, like, like he was from Africa, so he was very black. Right. And he came to the office to report that he was in, that he was upset because um, he was in the, the 10th grade, and the kids in the 12th grade were trying to frosh him. Right. And so my uncle's like, well, what were they trying to do? <laughs> he, goes, horrible. he goes, well, they were going to put black shoe polish on me. <laughs> and then my uncle was like, well, I mean, that's awful, but you wouldn't, because you wouldn't see it. <laughs> so he said, like, do you see the thing about this? And the kid's like, well, that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> you could get away with so yeah. much shit. Yeah. I went to, uh, I did part of my schooling when I was a kid in, uh, down in Houston, Texas. Yeah. Down in Houston, Texas. And, uh, Corporal punishment was allowed in yeah. school, right? So um, you strap. could get the fucking strap yeah. or you could get the board, the paddle, right? Ooh. It's like a wooden board. Um, in front of the other kids? No, they'd bring you into the office because I got paddled uh, I got paddled once, Whoa. I think. Yeah, yeah, it was just once. And once I got as my a child, knuckles, but as I got an my adult, <laughs> it's a weekly Yeah, occurrence. but you call a paddling, I call <laughs> Saturday night. Uh, no, and then That's I got a paddling. <laughs> I got my knuckles wrapped oh. uh, with Ooh. a ping pong paddle. One time, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, pretty crazy shit. Kids these days should shut the fuck up if anything bad happens. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it wasn't even that bad for us. I was going to say, and I also got molested at Catholic school. Oh, my God, (laughs) for real? I was one of those. Too bad. You're really bad today. You're going to have to go down to the sexual molestation. I just watched the movie Spotlight, and I was horrified. crazy? Oh, my God. The craziest part that I found was when they were interviewing the priest, and she goes, so what do you say about the allegations that you molested all those kids? And he's like, yeah. 
Yeah. And totally. she was like, part of me? You're like, you you molested those kids? You're saying that you molested those kids? And he's yeah. like, yes, but I didn't get any pleasure out of it. Right, right. And I was he was like, trying to justify it. But yeah, he yeah. wasn't saying that. The Catholic Church was telling the him that. Was, te- was That was part of the like the he, re-brainwashing that they tried to do. He probably got pleasure out of it, but then that they were like, did you get pleasure? Did right. you get pleasure? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, right. you didn't. So it's okay. It's okay. Oh. Yeah, that's not what how he felt. That's how oh. he was programmed to feel. That movie is amazing. That was such a great, great movie. Yeah, yeah. Watch it. Mark Ruffalo. Oh, he's handsome. He's a good looking dude, isn't he's he? He's a handsome man. Good looking Mark dude. Mark Ruffalo. You know, like he almost died. Did you know that? Why? Yeah, he had some He has some heart thing wrong oh. with him or whatever. Yeah, he almost died. Crazy shit. Crazy anyway, shit. Weird celebrity facts with Jake Hirsch. Yeah, we were talking about Oprah. We got yeah. all the way to Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Good for us. Uh, okay, so the purpose of this uh, segment here is uh, is a little extra I want to throw on the podcast. Uh, whenever I talk to somebody who's been doing comedy for a long period of time and does it full time and uh, you know has been around the game for a long time, I like to get not only their advice but just some kind of insight to maybe help some of the younger comics come up. Okay. Because I think that's a big theme in the comedy world. It's all about like, well, who helped you when you were coming up, and yeah. who did this? So, uh, if I can help people in any way, it's maybe putting them in touch with other comedians that have advice or whatever. So yeah. anyway, that's the that's the idea behind it. Um, so some of the things that I think are, uh, you know, interesting topics of conversation in the amateur scene, the local circuit and stuff. Uh, as we know, Jake Hirsch keeps his finger on the pulse of the <laughs> local circuit. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, some of the topics that have been talked about on the show before were things like, uh, how often should you be writing new material? How often should you be doing open mics? How often, um, should you, uh, be doing, um, you know, like five minutes? Like yeah. when should you move up? When should you consider yourself, um, uh, a solid middle, you know, those types of things, yeah. you know, like what's the etiquette around pay? What's the... You know, how do all those, like, what has your experience has been like with some of those things? So if you got, you know, 15, 20 minutes, I'd like to talk to you about that. Sure, Does we that can work? talk about that, yeah. Perfect. Because I think, uh, how long have you been doing comedy for now? It'll be 12 years in February. 12 years in February. Yeah. And who was on the scene when you started doing comedy? Um, I started in Edmonton, and I guess uh, the comics that were, like, are you talking headliners or just, like... Yeah, like I'm trying to put, a, I guess, more like a frame of reference around some of your peers at that time. As so, to, yeah. well, my peers, the people that I was hanging out with the most, it would have been like Sean the Comber. Okay. Uh, it's weird because a lot of them aren't doing comedy anymore. I've heard that recently a lot. Uh, you know, I'm trying to that. think of like names that like you recognize, but but Sean was a big a big one, and uh, the headliners would have been like Howie Miller, Carrie Unger, mm-hmm. uh, Winston Herbert. Andrew Gross. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, I was the only girl, really. There was one girl that was a little bit ahead of me when I started. Right. And she was so funny. And she went on one road gig to Fairview, Alberta, and she stopped doing comedy. What happened in Fairview? <laughs> Fairview? <laughs> That'd be the next logical question. Fairview, I only did it once, but it was legendary, the worst room in Canada. Really? Like comics, you, uh, you ask any Yucks comic that has been around for long enough and ask them about Fairview, they'll have a really amazing story about how terrifying Why? That like, wh- it was. Why? Like, the crowd? Was it? So it was like, it's a town that's like a little bit out of Grand Prairie. Right. And Grand Prairie, the gig in Grand Prairie was great. You got a nice right. hotel room. It was a really good room. Yeah. But you had to do Fairview to do the Grand Prairie room. <laughs> And Fairview was just like a small town pub, you know those pubs with BLTs in them, right, and just like right. 
people would not pay attention. People would be yelling. Like, it was just not. Yeah. It was not a. <laughs> it they're was, there because it's the bar. Yeah. You're, yeah. They're not there because of comedy. Yeah. Like, I think I think Carrie Younger fought someone during the show, but outside. <laughs> um, when I went, I remember there were maybe like four or five people there. Really? Like I was just like. I'm picturing like the Blues uh, Brothers when they're playing their first yeah. gig and it's like chicken wire around that, the stage. That's <laughs> basically <laughs> what it was like. It was very much like that. And like. You could like you stayed in the hotel, right? But I I didn't stay in that hotel, thank God, because it was it, it was like above the fucking yeah yeah. So those oh. old school hotels, there's like know, two like or three floors above. Every the small bar. town has that terrifying bar. Yeah, my mom used to own one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it was yeah, and it was like um, uh, the lock is broken. Here's a screwdriver. <laughs> so you just shove the screwdriver in. No one can get in if yeah. they, unless they push really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like so, that's what it was like. So Fairview, yeah. There's like, like a gap this big between the door frame and the yeah. door. Like yeah, nothing there is. So yeah, so I remember Angie. Her name was Angie Isman. She was so funny, um, and she won a round of the Yuck Off or like whatever. I think right. they, I think they call it Comedy Idol because American Idol had just started. Right. So uh, she had won her round, and the prize was to go to Fairview. <laughs> <laughs> With a headliner. <laughs> the was to end your career. And so she went, and then I never heard from her again. <laughs> <laughs> like, she made it back. Like, she didn't get killed there. I was going to say, have we contacted the she, authorities about this I think all? she just saw what it was like to be on the road and was like, no, thank you. <laughs> Especially in Alberta. Like, holy crap. Oh, my God. Some of the shows so I've So she done. made the right career choice at that yeah. point. <laughs> That's why I always, like, I give it up for any woman that uh, has been that goes on the road that that's able to to tolerate it and do it. It is a scary place, especially when you're a new like female comic. Yeah, any woman that w- is willing to go on the road and do the shitty fucking gigs, I have so much more respect for that takes than a any lot. other one. It does because take it's a lot. because it I I was in Cranbrook and like these two guys were at the show and they really liked it. They're like we're gonna come back to your hotel and show you a good time, and I'm like, no, thank Holy you. Shit. And they found me, and then the hotel room and told them my room. No way. It was scary. <laughs> it was a really scary. Uh, that kind of shit happens, and like some real like uncomfortable yeah. situations. And if you're not like that's something to talk to comments about how to behave on the road. Like, be fucking careful. Right. Do not go to be assertive. And yeah, yeah. Like there are people that want to party with you, and they will. And I've partied with people, but like I don't like going to a pl- a second location. Right. Right. Like there is like a, you know, unless you like know the people. Like I've people now that i hang out with that i've hung out with before and right, they always right. come back but yeah but kind of build that relationship don't yeah. just go to some house party yeah yeah just in some weird town or you've never do been it to, to get the story so that you can have that story <laughs> later because there are some good stories about going to house parties some and like crazy what shit the fuck happened? have you seen some crazy shit oh yeah i think every comic has <laughs> seen something that they wish they could never see or slept with someone that they wish that they never oh slept with. Yeah, that is hilarious. Okay, so like when you started, <laughs> yeah, I so remember they used to do these. Our thoughts and prayers are, are with that poor girl who they was never heard from again. They used to do these in. They used to do master like basically. I wish they would start doing them again because it's uh, it's such a benefit for new comics. They would do workshops, and you would have to go to the workshop or you wouldn't get your spot that yeah, day. Yeah, I've talked and to a couple of amateur or like amp. Well, you know, people have been around yeah. for three or four years, and they've I've heard people say that. Like, and yeah, the headlining comic would workshop. come in and they would do. They'd 
do a, a, a show class, and like yeah. someone like Kevin Fox would come in prepare and he would he would be like everyone's working on one joke everyone gets up and does a joke and it, they do a workshop. Frosty had a great um, one. He still does it. Mm-hmm. But or sometimes you'd get a week with someone like Paul Meyerhog where he would talk to you about how to not get an STD on the road. <laughs> like everybody had a good it lesson. It brought to everybody learn. together and yeah. and it was an incentive. To get your spot, like you would never get a spot at Yuck Yucks if you weren't at the workshops. Which I just That's like. What I, I hear people I'm say so that. So tired. Lot. That's another. Fuck it. I'm tired of comics coming doing their spot and leaving. Yeah. I. I find that very disrespectful. Especially if you've asked me for a guest spot and I've gotten you a guest spot. Right. And then you take off. Yeah. And you don't sit and you don't watch. Like, I learned so much. Right. Going to Yuck Yucks every weekend in Edmonton, and like I had no life. Right. But I was at Yuck Yucks every single weekend, watching the show, driving the comics around, right. hanging out, getting good. It helped me so much when I moved to Toronto to already have these relationships with Toronto comics. Right. And so they wanted to put their neck out for me and they mm-hmm. wanted to like Frosty will tell you the weekend that he was there. The first time I ever met him, he's like, yeah, you and Andrew, I want came to all the shows. You watched all the shows and you hung out after. Right. He's like, when you guys did that, he's like, I'm going to help this girl. She yeah, like I think you're showing him the level of yeah. commitment that you're willing to yeah. put into it. I'm not yeah. talking about kissing ass. It's not about kissing ass. It's about like holding your ego back for a second. So really, you want to run off and do a spot in front of seven of your comic friends. It's not going to help you develop at all. Right. Or do you want to sit and watch how like a professional comedian can control a room? Handles a room or digs himself even out watch or does I would even yeah. go watch the shitty ones because those you learn, oh, I'm never going to do that. Right. Right. That's the thing. Like, it's just like that is like hang out and never ask for a guest spot and then leave. I fucking hate it. Happens all the time. Yeah. That like, is a who the fuck thing. do you think you are? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, bothers yeah. me because I, it bothers me because I would never dream of doing that when I was a new comic. No, no. And I think, uh, I think that there's a certain level of, uh, I don't know if it's entitlement is the right word for it or whatever, but yeah. there's, I've seen some behaviors that I don't care for necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, like if like you get a guest spot at Yuck Yucks on the weekend, do not book another spot. Right. Don't be an idiot. Yeah. Stay around. Like I, I always remember the comics that ask me for guest spots and then stay and watch the shows. And right. I always remember the ones that leave. Absolutely. So next time I'm in town and you're like, can I get a guest spot? I'm like, oh, I don't think. Such good, good advice, though. Like, when you starting out, though, like... Uh, it's not so holding grudges. It's just, like, showing me some respect and showing comedy some respect. I agree. I completely agree with you. I think it's a. I think, uh, I think it's an appropriate thing to do, and it is respectful, and you can learn a lot from it. And you can have so much fun. Yeah. I had so much fun hanging out yeah. at Yuck Yucks those years when I first started, like, every weekend with the comics, with... With the staff, like you just create a little community and a family. And if Absolutely. you're so focused on yourself and your own act, you're never going to find that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, I, that's the thing. If you're running to 20 rooms a night, I mean, you're never going to build a relationship with anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so when you were first starting out, like how many. So like the rule of thumb has always like the way that I've always heard it through podcasts like Marin and stuff like that. A lot of comedians that have been on there have said. You know, oh, well, the rule of thumb is you get your five minutes and you work it to death. doesn't matter how m- tired people get of seeing yeah. the same fucking five. Uh, when you start to think that you're getting cocky and creative, you start going outside of that five. And I mean, not, you know, don't write yeah. material, but get an act to master your five before you start doing 10. Well, I have an act. That's the thing. It's like I'm not just going up there and speaking off the top of my head, but I've but my 
These act has got to structured. a point where I'm comfortable on stage, so it looks like it's coming off the top of my head. Right. But I'm yeah, I see a lot of comics making that mistake of constantly getting up, and then you get up at Yuck Yucks, and then you're like, I'm going to do all my new stuff to impress them. Right. And then you bomb. Right. No, impress them by showing that you can consistently do 10 minutes. Right. Like consistently. Show them what got you there. Yeah. Right. Consistency is the biggest thing uh, that I think I feel that clubs watch for or, or bookers watch for. Like, if you're constantly, that's the whole be undeniable thing, too. Like, mm-hmm. if you feel, nobody books me. Well, then get so good that they have to book you. Right. Because you're demanded. Exactly. And I think everybody just thinks it's going to be this super fast thing. Right. And I should be getting this and this and this and this. And it's like, you're not sitting back and watching and taking it in. Right. And learning and you don't have to get on st- on the stage every single time. You can go watch a show. Right, and not have and to be And it's good on for it. you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I started getting guest spots because Chrissy Rubin, the manager, saw me there every weekend. Right. And she said that to me. She goes, you're here all the time. You can have one. But she didn't give it to me because I, like, I, it was a fucking honor. Right. To get it. And now nobody treats it like it's an honor. Right. It's like... It's just really, like, weird to see how much it's changed. And I, I know it's like this, oh, these kids these days. But I don't know. Like, I think that it, at some point it changed where it became it it became more about, well, I'm just going to keep getting better and better. And I'm not going to learn this thing. I'm just going to do it on my own because I'm right. Right. I don't know. Maybe I sound bitter and old. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a thing that, like, uh, that people just do. I mean, it's the same thing why yeah. our parents are always like, you know what, uh, when I was young, politicians yeah. were noble and, and people did the right thing. You know, and Politicians it's like have never been noble. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's done the right thing. People respected their elders and all that. Yeah. And I, but it's the, I think that's the same, same thing. It's like uh, I, I sometimes will look and I've seen, and I'm not even talking about fucking like amateurs i'm talking about people that have been around the game for a while yeah just straight get up and leave like and, and yeah, if you're to me it's just like you know what unless you're on the road with each other and you're with each other every night of the week yeah i can understand that i you're still like, don't I go grab a sandwich yeah you know. i still wouldn't dream of going and doing it like if my friends in town or even if they're not my friend right. i won't go and ask a comic for a guest spot and then do and it then and take leave. off i won't do it yeah I, I just I think it's a disrespectful. It's thing. really disrespectful because you yeah. know what? No matter how good or bad that headliner is, that's their show. That's right. their weekend. Right. And you, they were courteous enough to let you go on, mm-hmm. and whether you did well or or terrible, it doesn't matter. Right. You you should fucking. It's shit. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. So the five minute rule is that something that, like, when do you start? I mean. I think part of the problem is that I think a lot of people feel like, and, 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 and it's it's an understandable thing. If you're in a comedy clique, and it's you and a bunch of amateurs on the local scene, yeah. and you're all doing the same fucking rooms five, six nights a week, I think it's more built out of people not wanting their peers to see yeah, them you do the same the material. Yeah, you want to impress the back of the room more than you want to. Yeah, yeah. Right, so and I get that pressure expand, that I right? think that new comics have. But even then, I'm still like, work your five, work your five. Like, yeah. what is, what's the rule of thumb on that? Like, should you keep working your five? Yeah. Should you? What you should do is get your strong set and do that at the clubs and do that where it matters. And then go to the shitty rooms in front of just your comics and try your new stuff. Right. Like... But so but on the shows that are that are more like a yuck show or like a prominent show that you're able to showcase in front of a yeah big the, the manager crowd. of the club might watch you and be like oh we should consider maybe giving this person a middle weekend they c- right they keep coming in and killing on amateur night right right but th- a club is not a place for an amateur comic to be working out their new shit <laughs> <laughs> a, exactly. a paid comedy club no 
your rooms that you start with your friends. And that's one thing that they told me when I started. I was like, because I started, and I'm like, well, how do you get up on the weekends? How do you get this and that? And then, like, one of them was like, start your own goddamn room. Right. And I did. And I started my own room. And then that's also how you meet comics. Right. And then that's also how you get spots on other shows is you trade spots. Right. So starting your own room, mine were shitty. Holy crap. I did this one in Edmonton called Blue Chicago. It was a nightmare. <laughs> but I got to host it every week. Yeah. So I was up every week at least once. Right. And, uh... I got better because of it, and like I think that yeah. Is I'm there such a thing as too like too many rooms? Yeah. Well, when it gets to be that you can't, there's not enough comics in that scene to fill the shows, then yeah. Right. And I like I feel like it's it's nice to be able to hop around to shows, but it's also like well now you're missing out on the hanging out and the watching. Like that's right. why I like starting in a small scene. Right. Because there aren't as many shows. Like I find Toronto comics that started in Toronto. Right. It's like it's it's a different mentality. It's a yeah, I gotta hop from room, 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 room. It's like a New York mentality. Yeah, they do like seven rooms a night. Yeah, eight, yeah. But like, but as far as the West, I'm like, I feel like we became a a, a, a community more. I just By find that more. around and hanging out. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a different thing to start in a small market. Like you talk to a lot of comics that start in a small market, and then you move to Toronto and you. Yeah, because I like I've interviewed people before where like comics from you know uh, New York. I think it was Aaron Berg or whatever, yeah. or yeah. you know I, her or uh, someone. There's another one. I anyway, there's there's a couple over there. Yeah, and every time it was like, yeah, oh yeah, I got like seven spots tonight, or yeah, I don't think I ever did a night that didn't have six spots or whatever. I was like, holy shit, totally. And that is How that can, is. Like, it's almost like the gym where you just go and you just run the tread treadmill, like you know, do totally. some interval running, and then you're done your workout, and that's it. You go home. Yeah. But it's like you're not really, like, you know, you're not there taking a class. Like you're. That's you're why I think amateurs need to get it in their head that they're okay. You're not that person that's trying to develop a new hour right now. Like right. someone like Aaron Berg, yeah, you should be doing seven sets a night because right. he's trying to generate. He's trying to do more. Yeah. Uh, but as a new comic, you should be learning. Right. Like nobody ever thinks about that. They just yeah. think, well, I hear we're supposed to get up everywhere all the time. No, you need to like understand comedy. Right. And you need to have relationships with com comedians right but like i can tell you every comic that that like will come into a, sh a spot and then leave it's just like well you're such a i just lose little bits of respect, respect for people for yeah yeah i don't know i'm probably being like that old school bitch and i'm not even old <laughs> i'm not even old <laughs> when you were first starting out doing comedy um how like was everything free everything was a guest spot was it like uh, here's some gas some money kid like, oh what, yeah what I should an amateur expect to not make money for the first 10 years. I'm not kidding you. Not I just dime. started making like, money maybe two years ago. Right. Like, I would drive to Grand Prairie for 50 bucks. Yeah. In my own car, pay for gas. Just for the love of comedy. Yeah. But now everyone's like, I want to get this and this. I'm like, no, you, you're you not at that level. Right. Stop expecting all this money. You're not going to make money. I mean, some people might make it faster than others. And by the way, everything I'm saying is not right. It's just me. That's yeah. Yeah. Sure. Don't your like, experience. Yeah, it's it. my yeah. experience. I'm not right about everything, but right. this is just how I've found it. But yeah, you're not gonna make money if right. you're in this to make money. Quit now. Yeah. You're not gonna. You're gonna disappoint yourself. So like, when do you 
<coughs> when did you move from from the amateur to I guess what would be considered an opener? Or did you um, try hosting for a bit? Did you try well every facet of it? With Yak Yaks, well, I hosted a lot because I had my own room. But with Yak Yaks, they like just pick whatever you do. Like you don't. I'm gonna host that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're a new comic. <laughs> I'm gonna be the show. head. I'm gonna be the host on that one. <laughs> no, you just get your gig sheet, and there's either an MC next to your name or a middle. Yeah. And you you just do it. Yeah. Wow. So okay. So then you host like you started off hosting then your own room, own and room. that's how you kind of developed that skill. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's another thing that comics need to understand. Hosting is the most thankless and worst part of the show. Right. But it's also the one where you'll grow the most, and you'll any comic that I see that hosts a lot, they get stronger faster. Yeah. Because you have to go up to a cold crowd to start the show. Yeah. See, in the states, it's a little weird too. Yeah, the states has a different way of doing it. Yeah. But in Canada, the well, you have to be a strong comic to host a show. That's what I realized. Yeah, I've you have that. to be a strong comic. Yeah, because li- you're you're setting the precedent for the show. You're setting it up. You're getting people going. And then if your middle bombs, you got to go back up and bring that show back up. Like right. that's your job. Right. And then you got to do all these stupid announcements. You got to talk to the stupid birthday parties and the bachelorettes. Yeah. And, and it's not, it's the hardest part on the show. Yeah. And people are like, I don't like the host. Well, I don't know what to tell you. You're not going <laughs> to get any better. <laughs> Nobody likes to host because Nobody everybody does. comes up to the host after and is like, "You should be a comedian too," because <laughs> nobody <laughs> thinks that that person it's is a thankless comedian. job. It's, it's a the hardest one. It is, but anybody that it's better for you. It's so much better. So as a new person, yeah. When did you start making that host. transition? So like, when did you like? I mean, obviously for 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 yucks, but I mean like, it, so it's best to develop that skill. So if you don't have your own room, yeah, you want to try and host as much as you can on amateur shows. Yeah, yeah. To develop that. Never turned down a hosting. Never turned down a spot. I was talking to a comic that was like two years in, and they're like, it's good because I'm starting to turn down stuff. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I literally turned down nothing for yeah. the first five. I'm not kidding, five years. I turned down nothing. And I'm sure, like, other comics, like, sure. turn stuff down. But I, I did not turn anything down. I did every gig that came at me I, even if i was supposed to be working i would either try to get it off or i would call in sick wow like i got i, I took just everything that came my way breathe comedy yeah it's yeah. just yeah but wow. like you, you know if you're not willing to put in that work it's not going to happen for you right right it's just that simple like if you're not willing to suck up the shit you're not going to get the sunshine <laughs> 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 but there there uh when did you start to headline uh i think i started to headline regularly Four years ago? I can't remember. So you're about eight, eight, like seven, eight years about in? About seven or eight years in is when they started to like headline me because this is how you should headline. You were, if you're doing so well in the middle spot. Right. That people you know? want, want you to stick around longer. Yeah. yeah. So, y- But like you ask and like they'll tell you and you should really listen when people tell you. If peop- if you're going to ask them should I be a headliner and they're going to tell you the honest truth and the honest truth is no, mm-hmm. don't just take that and be like, well, fuck them. Right. I'll show them. Right. Especially if it's someone that you technically respect or if it's of someone that's been in the business for a while. Sure. I've seen so many people say that they can headline and then they go in trying to start a new room and right. then that room will never have comedy ever again because that headliner was so bad. Was so Yeah, that ruined that ruin that experience this is a big difference from be able to kill in 10 minutes and to be able to headline a comedy show yeah that is a big big difference it's Absolutely. a huge difference yeah it's and headlining is like very it's not it's not hard but it's not easy you've got a you've got that whole check drop at the end where everyone stops paying attention all of a sudden right 
And like, I know comics that like, well, I have my set, I've this timed out to this, so I have this joke that's kind of a lull joke where the t- the check comes out. I don't do that. I'm like too dumb to do that. Like, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just do whatever I want. And like, sometimes I'll be doing my best joke when the checks drop, and I'm like, ah, shit, this is not good. <laughs> They're not gonna pay attention. What to about? This. Uh, did you ever headline amateur shows? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Like, I started to headline those maybe five years in or something four or five years where you would like do amateur but that's like a 20 minute spot right right so that's more of like a middle spot middle spot. so when yeah. you're middling a lot yeah headline those shows so when you're headlining the amateur shows that's a good indicator that, and you're doing well they, mm-hmm. that's a good indicator that you're ready to start middling yeah 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 i think so yeah yeah if you're and you're doing well right and be fucking honest with yourself so when you were doing some of these like guest spots or whatever or, or gigs or whatever, I mean, if you had to drive out to let's say like the Grand the Grand Prairie one or whatever, um, what like what's the etiquette? Do rooms flip you twenty bucks for gas? They give you fifty bucks? Like what's? Oh, there's some of them just say, "Hey, thanks for showing up." Yeah, man. appreciate it. I don't <laughs> think there's a, there's no set rules for comedy. There's no etiquette. I don't think like it's such a loose industry. It man. was really funny though because uh, this last weekend I was in uh, Tofino with a. Uh, a comic from Victoria named Miles um, oh, Anderson. Right. And he was really funny. And he's new. And he said, uh, he said, uh, we went out for, oh yeah, we were we were at the the bar for the show. And I was like, do, do we have a tab or anything? He goes, I don't know. And I'm like, always ask. Yeah. Do you never know? So we we ate dinner. And then after we ordered and ate, uh, I said, do the comics have a tab? And they were like, he's like, let me go check. He goes, okay. So the meal and two drinks are covered. I'm like, Yes. There you go. Yeah. And I'm like always ask. Always ask. Always ask. Yeah, that's the thing at the uh, the shows that uh, that I've got as well is that uh, I always make sure that the uh, comedians get you know a yeah. bite to eat and a, at least a, a pint or two. Yeah, because you're a good booker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's that's not always the case. That's not always the case. We used to do shows for the comedy factory for Bob Angley. I don't care who yours is. And he is <laughs> that the first time I've heard this guy's name. Oh my name. god, this who, guy's who a character. Was it? Who was just told me this? He guy's owns name? the Comedy Factory in Edmonton, Alberta, and oh, you know what it was? I heard it on your podcast, probably with Sean. With oh Sean yeah, McCumber. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's he's the first person that will put you on the road. Right. He will put you on the road. Like he's like, when the first time he put me on the road, he's like, "You're going to Grand Prairie." I can't remember who, was, who it was with, but he goes, "You're doing half an hour." I'm like, "I can do ten minutes," and he's like, "You're doing half an hour. You'll be fine." Really? And like it was awful. It was so painful. And he would just send people terrifying. Out. Terrifying. I think I think the story on on your podcast was uh Sean Sean was saying that he would uh even if there wasn't a gig booked, he would or like they try to cancel the show, he would still send comics out oh, yeah. to do it. And try and get the money. <laughs> and just get the money. And he would make us deliver posters to towns along the way for upcoming shows and he tried to give me his SO extra card. I was like, what's this for? He's like, oh, for when you stop, go to Esso's and get me some points. And I was like, <laughs> are you giving me gas money? And he's like, no. And I'm like, then no, I'll get air miles from Shell. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's just like ridiculous. This guy sounds like the Donald Trump of uh He's of a, I, I mean, I think he's legendary in comedy. Like, <laughs> oh, this story's so funny. I, I, I don't, I mean, you can't embarrass someone for something they've actually done in their life. There was this. <laughs> <laughs> there was this, me, there was this female comic from uh, Texas, Olivia Arrington, right. and uh, she came in to do the, the Comedy Factory in Edmonton, and she told me this thing. She goes, yeah, Bob said he was going to pick me up at the airport, and then I 
didn't see him at the airport, so I called the phone, and there was nobody. So I listened to the message, and it was just like, this week at the Comedy Factory, and this big, long thing, like a, a too-long message. Right. At the end of the message, it was just Bob saying, Olivia, take a cab from the airport. <laughs> 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 Which I was like, the balls on that dude. <laughs> he would put comics up in the shittiest hotel. Like One time, this one comic, Chris Shaw, he was like, look, check out. Check out my air conditioner. I looked in. There was like heroin needles in the air conditioner. Like, <laughs> oh, you just have to laugh at this shit because that's just the way it is. That is pretty crazy. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't imagine like if I was a, f- you know, like if my daughter wanted to be a comedian oh. to send her on the road. It's scary. It is scary. I don't know what it's like anymore for new comics, though, because I feel like I don't know. I don't know if it's as hard anymore. Yeah. I, yeah, do, yeah. I really don't know what it's like to, d- to start and do like the really, really shitty, shitty rooms or do the shitty open. Like, I don't know what. The what the experience is like yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, I have no idea. So I like I can't tell. I can't say like. Was it ever cl- like uh, clicky? I guess like did, were there clicks of of comedians like um, locals and amateurs and stuff like that, that. That's another good thing about starting in a small scene is it's not. It didn't really happen. Right. For when I started, it's funny because Edmonton. When I started, everyone was friends. Right. We all got along. And then something happened, and it kind of divided the city. Right. And now the Edmonton sort of has this, like, downtown comic versus White Ave comic thing, which was weird. I don't know if it's that bad anymore, but for a couple of years, it was very divided. Oh, and really? I think you'll just find what – it always happens when more and more and more people join the scene. Join, join the group. But when I started, it was a very small core scene. I would say maybe there was, like, 15 of us that hung out all the time and did right. shows all together. And we would go to music open mics and ask if we could do comedy. Sometimes they'd let us. Sometimes they wouldn't. The Sidetrack Cafe in Edmonton – uh, was huge to the comics. They gave us so much uh, extra time. Really? Because it was a Monday night. Like, I could do comedy once a, a night in Edmonton. Monday through Sunday. Really? For sure. Uh, we used to go to karaoke bars and say, instead of a song, can I just tell five minutes of jokes? Really? And we would. Yeah. No way. And I think that that was like a Rob Pugh thing. I think Rob Pugh kind of told Came the comic. That, huh? That's like a Western comic thing. Yeah. Like the It is really the Wild West out, out here. Yeah. Like, starting-wise, it... it I I don't think any comics in Toronto would dream of going into a karaoke bar and and doing five. I maybe, but I don't think so because yeah, they have that's shows. Pretty crazy because they yeah. have shows. But I I think that's why I still love. And I remember when I moved to Toronto, and uh, I did my first like weekend in Toronto, and I can't remember who it was. My uh, I can't remember, but he said, "Yeah, I can tell you're from Alberta." He's like, "Cause you just power through." He's really? like, yeah, because I was not doing well. The crowd was not into me, but yeah. I just kept boom, boom. <laughs> I kept punching them in the face. He's like, yeah, Alberta comics know how to power through because you got to go do shows in Fairview, Alberta, like right. where nobody is listening to you, or like you got to talk over people. Like, yeah. What's the what's the lowest? Because I got a couple more questions for you. One, I want to get into social media and some about marketing yourself and and doing those types of things. Um, but before that. Um, size of shows and stuff like that like you mentioned doing comedy in like fairview oh <laughs> so god uh i've been to rooms where there's like i think cal post and i did that one there was like two, two or four people, people <laughs> yeah. in the room or whatever no, that's not yeah. that wasn't odd you still Alberta. the show goes on oh my god there was a show in uh i think it was fort st john and this uh andrew iwanek did it before was he with me that time I can't remember if I was with him or not, but he got n- shots of milk sent up to him from the <laughs> shitty crowd. Really? They were throwing chicken wings at him. The stage was on the <laughs> was a pl- piece of plywood on the bar. No and way. He had to climb milk crates to get to it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to die. 
Like, I'm just going to fall <laughs> off the stage or the stage is going to collapse. Horrendous oh, conditions. I've uh. stood on some really horrifying stages. <laughs> like that is crazy. Yeah, where I don't want to move because I'm like, <laughs> uh, this thing's going to fall apart and I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. So it's good to have, like, somebody... Um, it's good to have like somebody who kind of knows what what they're doing, make sure that the show is ready to go. That's like the the best is like that, yeah, yeah. To nothing worse than going to a show and being like, ah, fuck, the mic doesn't work, the lights yeah. suck, the room's not set up. Oh, that's properly. oh, that's how. Oh, the band stole the mic from last night, so you're just gonna have to <laughs> talk. What? No. <laughs> go buy a mic. Like I can't. I'm not doing a show without a mic. I. Oh. I don't like talking without the microphone in my face. That is crazy. But right. I think there's something to be said about that, being able to get up in front of a room of two people yeah. and, and continue to do your bits. Yeah, if you can get up in front of two people and still make them laugh, you're doing well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. like this past weekend, uh, we did a show in Cochrane, and it's just, the guy was just like, Listen, I don't, it's whatever, just throw something together. I'm yeah. like, it's, th- it's four days. Like, yeah. You know, whatever. It's so like eight people show up. And... Uh, young comic out there, Brett uh, Forte, got yeah. up and he. I was very impressed because he's still considered like an amateur. Yeah. And uh, he literally just went through everybody at that table yeah. and worked that entire table. And I was just like, holy shit! Like that's impressive. That's what you can tell if a comic is really like loves comedy is that they're like, I don't care how big the crowd is, I'll get up. Yeah. I'll just put me up. Yeah. I don't care. Because there's like that twinge as a promoter. You're yeah. like, oh my god, there's eight fucking people in the room. And I had to check my ego because I'm like, well, this wasn't yeah. my fault, right? But at the same time, I'm like, there's that twinge of like, should should we continue with? Like, yeah. Should we should we just pull the plug and just put yeah. on the jukebox or something? And you know, I looked at Brett, and he just kind of had this like, like the show goes on, like it doesn't matter, like we got to do this, yeah, like it's gonna happen. And there's nothing like watching a show and knowing you're not on it and being like either if it's a really good and you're like, fuck, I just want to get up in front of this crowd, yeah, or B really bad and just be like i want to turn this crowd right because turning a crowd is feels really good oh yeah from a crowd that's paying zero attention yeah to make them fans oh my god i did a show at the the uh the drake hotel in toronto right there used to be a show on the wednesday in the bar it was in the bar upstairs and uh nobody was really paying attention it was a really loud talky bar and then i went up and i just i don't know how i did it but i just grabbed the room and they all stopped and they all listened. And I, that's the only one of the only times I've ever done that and the first time I ever did that. And it was like, wow. holy shit. And then I remember this, like, really hot guy came up to me after, like, stupid <laughs> hot. And he was like, you're so funny. You're the funniest. He's like, he goes, I'm an actor in L.A. He's like, if I, I can ever help you with anything. No way. And then I was like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're just like, I've never seen a girl that's as funny as you, blah, blah, blah. And so I took his information and I had it like we I texted back and forth like a few times about stuff because he was an actor in L.A. Because when I moved to L.A. last time, he was on a bunch of billboards because he's the guy from Arrow. No way. Stephen, Stephen Amell. And I met him and I was just like, holy shit. He I mean, he doesn't talk to me anymore. He's too famous. <laughs> but yeah, that was a cool night for me because I just remember like because I don't feel cool in those kind of bars too. like the Drake is a very cool place. Swank, so I always feel yeah. very out of place and i was like oh these people are gonna hate me they're gonna think i'm ugly and then i went up and i just did well and then these like super hot <laughs> guys came up to me <laughs> like what is going on right now? one of the perks of doing well but in yeah room. that's the thing is like it's so cool that you can try all these different rooms and like try yeah. and turn a room turning a room is a magical moment it's up there with like finding a punchline on stage oh yeah absolutely definitely cool all right so last topic i want to talk to you about is uh of course social media marketing uh, marketing yourself, 
Um, when you were starting out, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want to invite your friends and family out to every every time you're up on stage. No. That can that can get a little exhausting. Wait I'm sure. till you have uh, contests where you have to win through audience votes. Right. Save those people for that. Seriously, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that helps. Save sure. those people for that for sure. Yeah. When you're when you're starting out, though, I mean, is is it just as important then as it is now for you to market yourself and and put it out there? That yeah, for sure. Like social media was just starting when I was starting comedy. MySpace was big. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna <laughs> so lie, but I was in some top <laughs> eights. Uh, whatever. <laughs> but like, I used MySpace to. They had events, and I used MySpace to like spread the word. And right. I put comedy up on YouTube. Yeah. Little, little things, but uh, it's very, it's very important. And as far as social media, just have fun with it, I think. Like, literally, like, I don't think about the stuff I post all the time. Sometimes I'm like, I can't believe I just put that up. Right. But then a whole bunch of people like it. I'm like, no, people follow me now because they know what to expect. It's like, except for my mom. She's always like, why would you post that? <laughs> but, no, just have fun with it and be yourself. I think people just want to see people being, that's why social media is so intriguing. Yeah, you can look at people who you don't really know, but you can. I follow people that are not famous; they're just people right. that I don't even know. But you just find something fascinating about. Yeah, their life. just follow yeah. their life. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So, yeah. like, if you're being fake on, being stupid, but I don't know. And I find Twitter to be like a virtual joke book. Like I like it Twitter really the is, best yeah. because Facebook people can comment, and you get really annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> like I, my friend sent me a meme that this other female comic made and it was like these two people hot people making out in hot tub and it said this could be us but you make co- you comment on my jokes <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing so more infuriating than like you're just writing a joke and then someone comes in and takes it super literally and like right or someone tries to tag it i'm like yeah i, get, uh, I know what you're trying to do but <laughs> don't ruin this for me <laughs> but twitter is great because it's just out there like no you can't see unless you actually go to the tweet and look at what people have right. at, like Written, replied yeah. to it but but yeah, you either get a favorite or a retweet, and it's like that's like a virtual joke book. That's why it's so good to get a Twitter following. That audience response is obviously, and that's like an immediate response too. Yeah, that you can get yeah. I'll really put premises quickly. in there all the time, and if it goes well, then I'll take it to the stage. Yeah. If I get a bunch of favorites, like, and I've just started to get like more and more. It's just like Twitter takes forever to build. Yeah, yeah. especially yeah. now because everybody's on it. But if you can build it, push it. Yeah. Tell everybody your social media after every show. I usually get at least thirty followers a weekend now on yeah. between all the different social medias. That's Snapchat, awesome. even everything. Yeah. Just yeah, promote yourself. Yeah, I don't know. There was like a, a really weird thing. I think people, uh, you know, I think, I mean, obviously, I'm speaking from two standpoints. One as a, a fan of comedy, and two as a as a person who works in that in that forum of putting on shows. How important it is for comedians to try to get promote the show and to yeah. create that brand and to get get a following because, yeah. um, you know, I think people look sometimes at promoters and they're like, oh, he's just trying to make money, trying to make make money. But it's like I'm trying to provide the opportunity for you to come and do comedy to get paid. Yeah, and, and of course he's trying to make to money. Promote. Everybody wants to make money. Uh, that's kind of the whole <laughs> purpose of business. That's the point. But you know, yeah, but I think it's it's just an interesting thing because it's like. I don't tell people, you know, like, oh, promote yourself because I want to make money off of you. I want to provide you the opportunity to come and perform mm-hmm. and you can, one, create a following for yourself because, you know, Joe Schmo who walks in the door might not know who you are yeah. when they walk in, but they might leave being a fan. Know of Know who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And there's that Canadian humbleness thing where don't 
don't brag about yourself too much. Don't put too much on there. But no, fuck that. Do that. That's what you're you're trying to be. You need to be selfish. A performer. Yeah. It, well, yeah, you have to be a little selfish. Just don't be a dick. Right. Like there's a difference between self-promotion and being a complete egomaniac. Right. So if you find that fine line, just do that. And like don't And if people bother you about posting too much, then be like, "Then why are you following me?" Yeah. Exactly. I never have understood that ever why anyone would be like, what are you posting? Blah, blah, blah. I don't like what you're posting here. Well, then why are you here? <laughs> I'm not forcing you to have a gun to your head to exactly. be here. Yeah. Like, I don't even know. I like th- I never notice when people unfriend me right. on Facebook until like maybe I'm tagged in something. And I'm like, oh, they're not all in black letters. Somebody's blocked me because <laughs> they're pissy. Ooh, what happened here? But it doesn't matter. Speak up. when If you, you were going to give advice credit. to anybody coming up. Um. Lessons that you've learned along the way. Yeah. 12, 12, you know, 12 years in the business. Um, I know when I asked Greg Fitzsimmons this, I couldn't tell everybody about it because the fucking recording didn't go through. But his advice to comics were um, go live life, experience things, yeah. you know, say fuck on stage when you're not supposed to, uh, take mushrooms, go hiking, yeah. do, you know, have crazy life experiences that you can make you a better human being totally. and, and transfer that to comedy um what's your take on that is that yeah is totally that i agree with that 100 percent. like um like most young comics when they start they don't n- have no idea who they are right and i had no idea who i was and uh most people say you will find your voice it'll take you at least 10 years right and i can tell you that that's true for me like it took me about 10 years to finally get comfortable on stage and to to be to have the balls to say whatever I wanted, right? Like uh, advice I got when I started, I was telling really disgusting jokes, and one of the comics told me that if I was going to tell jokes about that kind of stuff, that uh, I needed to grow a set of balls and stop being a- apologizing for everything. Because I wow. would say something, and then I'd be like, "Oh my god, you guys, I'm so sorry I said that." And that's like then the crowd's so like, "Oh, like so what she is saying is really bad. We shouldn't agree with right. that." Instead, it's just like fucking own yeah. it and take it further. Yeah. So you'll grow and you'll figure out who you are. And then once you find that person that you are, be that person. And don't. It's great advice. Just because honestly, the best comics are just themselves on stage. Right. They're just like, that's why people can relate to them. That's why people feel intrigued to watch them. Right. Because it's just them. And this is exactly how they feel. And like, that's just the way it is. Like Maria Bamford. Louis C.K., Bill Burr, mm-hmm. all the greats are just themselves on stage. Right. They're not a character. I mean, everybody's, I think, a little bit bigger of a person than what they really are. Right. But I think that if, if you find that person and you finally figure out, holy, I know who I am. Yeah. Like, it was like I listened to an interview recently with uh, with Mark Maron and Jim Gaffigan. And Jim Gaffigan's a clean uh, comic. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously does a lot of family friendly comedy and stuff like that. But he brought up a good point. He said most clean comics, their favorite comedians are the most dirtiest ones because they love seeing people pull off stuff. And he said it's not about me trying to be dirty. That's just kind of who I am. Yeah, same as me looking at Jim Gaffigan and being in awe that he can talk about nothing about dicks or penis or vaginas and kill. And kill, yeah. Like I'm in awe of that. And he's like, but I love watching someone else because I don't think they – they like 
I, I forgot how we, he structured it, but it was almost like, I don't think he could do a clean set because that's not who he is. Yeah. Like, that's just, like, that's I not his personality. I always find it funny when, like, you go to festivals and they, like, want to do a dirty show. Right. And then they want to put the clean comics on the dirty show. Like, wouldn't it be funny if this clean comic <laughs> said cunt or something? <laughs> and I always find it to be just, like, a tad bit insulting. Right. Oh, that's, Leica doesn't like it either. Leica does not like it either. But I always just, like, find it, like, because you're not going to throw me on the corporate and be like, <laughs> she's going to try and be clean, but she might not be. <laughs> I just like, I'm like, you, you find your thing and like, don't try to, don't try to skew into something that you're not. Right. Right. That's how I, I feel. But Although but I've seen some super clean comics do really well in the dirty shows. Like Irma Barker, I've heard of his, he did an amazing dirty and he was always clean. And I've heard that uh, um, like Brett Butt can do a really good dirty do set. Dirty set yeah. But like, but yeah, if you're. Figure out who you fucking are. Don't go all over the place. But that's <laughs> the same thing, though. Like with uh, you, though. I mean, like you know, I think that's the major m- misconception is that someone who has a dirty show can't get booked for corporate stuff. Oh, you I know. You can still I do that. fun. Uh, like you still do fun. I've never been booked for like a corporate that. by Yak Yaks ever in my entire career. <laughs> They've always told me I'm too dirty for corporate. Still, never do a corporate. But then I get people that contact me from corporations that want you to come out and do your show. And guess who doesn't send it to Yak Yaks? Right. Fuck that. Like I'm tired of telling you what I can't do. But then, but we want that money from that though. Right. If you do get it. Right. No. Yeah. I don't know. But that goes to show, though. And this is the Yuck Yucks podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, but no, but that, <laughs> Don't but even that edit goes it out to show. Time. But that goes to show that uh, that it doesn't mean that because you stay true to your format of, of comedy that you're going to miss out on. Thi- I mean, totally. W- if the people like you, they're going to fucking book you. Like I started in Alberta, the corporate comedy capital of Canada. Right. When I started, like comics were getting five grand to do ten minutes at these corporate because it was oil, big oil, right? And and oil was just throwing shitloads of money at everybody, and the bookers didn't like me because they didn't see dollar signs when they saw me. They're like, "Well, she can't work those shows in front of a bunch of filthy riggers. They would never dream of booking me. Like, are you dumb?" Yeah. Anyway, so uh, um, where was I going? Now I'm high. No, about staying true to your roots as oh, yeah. far as, yeah, like in Alberta, being so, able to get yeah. booked. Yeah, so I had some comics that would be like, you better clean up your act or you're never going to work in Alberta. You're never going to make money. Right. You're never going to get corporates. And I'm like, but I'm not in this to get corporates. I'm in this to do comedy. Right. If and corporates happen to fit in, That's the great. thing is, like, eventually my goal is for me to get corporates because people want to see Kathleen McGee, not because they just want some comic. Right. Like, exactly. that's when that's when corporates will work out for me. Right. But... I'm not there yet. <laughs> it's definitely my Christmas is not full. So FYI, you want me at a Christmas party? You want to pay me a disgusting amount of money? I'm still available. Pretty much all of December is open, guys. Oh my god! <laughs> all right, thank you for doing this, Kathleen. Thank you. I love doing this. This was great. It's been a long time it since was we sat down yeah. and, and had a proper chat on a podcast. So I'm glad. And congrats w- with all the success of your show as well. That's amazing. I I wouldn't have that show without you. Well, thank you. You're my producer, and I literally, I literally would not have that podcast without you. So, thank you. All right, my dear. Thank you very much for doing the show. All right, folks, and there you have it the amazing masterclass with the very funny, very talented Miss Kathleen McGee. Uh, Be sure to check her out. Follow her, KathleenMcGee.ca, for any upcoming tour dates. And of course, we'll have her social media on the podcast description. On behalf of myself, your host, Jake Hirsch, and the entire crew with Yuck Yucks, Mark Breslin, executive producer, Kira Williams, co-producer, 
Camille Argue, and of course, the man who lays down the sick licks for this podcast, the acoustic genius, Mr. Lane Argue, as well. Check him out, laneargueguitar.com. There, I got it right. All right, folks, rest in peace, Nav Galley. Uh, we will see you next week.